noble, and loved. Loved by his nieces, his neighbors, his brother, and, more telling, by Martha, his brother's wife. And noble because, in spite of his love for her, he stood aside so she might marry his own brother, because Ethan also knew that they all would be better off for his sacrifice. Ethan's love for Martha and her love for him remained concealed except for a look that passed between them and the way she caressed his confederate coat when she thought no one was looking. There was even a certain nobility in his determination to kill his niece rather than have her live as the crazed chattel Ethan came across after their captivity and submission to the Comanche Bucks, their leavings, as Vera Miles put it to Martin Pauley. But in the end, leavings or no, Ethan could not bring himself to pull the trigger and take the life of the niece he had loved. Let's go home, Debbie, summed it all up in four words. Yes, noble. In the movie, Ethan lives on, mission completed, but still alone, an outsider framed in the doorway against nature's everlasting monuments. Then the door closes, leaving him with our thoughts and his. From first frame to fade out, Duke never wavers in his riveting interpretation of Ethan Edwards, except once. During the scene when his real-life son Patrick, as young Lieutenant Greenhill, is more than holding his own with veteran Ward Bond, in Duke's eyes there is the look of a proud father rather than that of Ethan Edwards. Amazingly, the picture was shot in 56 days, including only a half day at Bronson Canyon in the heart of Hollywood, where the Let's Go Home Debbie scene was filmed, and in nowhere near chronological order, for two and a half million dollars. It reaped a fortune for Jack Warner and his company. Wayne had, in the previous few years, reaped several fortunes for Mr. Warner, Duke and Warner both liked and respected each other. Big Jim McLean, Island in the Sky, Hondo, the High and the Mighty, were just a few of the bullseyes Duke scored for Warner. Duke called John Ford Coach or Pappy, but Jack Warner was the only man I ever heard Duke call Boss. I had nothing to do with the searchers, but I'm proud to say I did have something to do with John Wayne. I developed and produced Hondo for television and wrote and produced Chisholm. While we were preparing, shooting, and in post-production on Chisholm, I spent a lot of time with the Duke on Hellfighters, True Grit, The Undefeated, on land and at sea aboard his yacht, Wild Goose. No one who ever worked with him or even knew him for some time could help falling under his spell. It was amusing to see dozens of us on the set, on location or on his ship, standing, moving, canting, and even talking like him without hardly even realizing it. No man was more a part of the American landscape. John Wayne was the snow-painted Sierras where eagles circle high. He was the night wind wailing through Monument Valley, pine tops tall and uncut. He was hoofbeats moving west. He was a man to match the mountains. I was his pal and his partner, 
Still am his partner, thanks to the percentage he gave me for writing and producing Chisholm. I've had the honor and pleasure of working with some of the greats, men and women. Robert Mitchum, Charles Bronson, Ernest Borgnine, Burt Reynolds, Angela Lansbury, Bob Hope, Gail Russell, Robert Taylor, Anne Francis, Helen Hayes, Ray Milland, Broderick Crawford, Ben Johnson, Christopher Reeve, and oh, so many more. But those years with the Ringo Kid, Quirt Evans, Tom Dunson, Captain Brittles, Hondo Lane, Rooster Cogburn, John Simpson Chisholm, and yes, Ethan Edwards, were the greatest. And so was he. There was a man. We shall never see his like again. And now, The Making of the Searchers by Harry Carey.